house of the Lord this morning. Let's uh, switch it to G. And let's sing the song you were playing just a minute ago. Uh, I sing praises. I sing praises to your name. We. 
Here, I'll fly away. Oh, some bad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. Oh, to a fine God's celestial
switch it up a little bit here and uh, bring some needs to you. Uh, if uh, I could just have Brother Andy Irish come and uh, pray over these requests. Uh, we just want to remember uh, Brother Sister, or, sorry, Sister Greg. <laughs> um, we just want to remember her and uh, let's remember the McCafferty's. They are out of town. Uh, I have a request here as well for uh, one of Brother Fulcher's caregivers, um, father, uh, who his name is Coach Crowder. Uh, he's in the hospital in Charlotte with some problems with his heart. And we also want to remember a brother in Steve's church in Virginia, uh, Gerald Crowell. We also want to remember the Paschals. Uh, they are not with us today. Just remember uh, Sister Karen Buchanan. She is at home having some issues with her knees. Also, uh, just remember uh, these families here, the Crosses, the Browns, the Cockmans, and the Claybulls. They are all out of town this weekend. Also, uh, just remember Brother Jonathan Mayle. He is at home sick. Remember uh, Sister April Grant. She is in need. And uh, remember Sister Sarah Buchanan and Shirley Buchanan. They both are at home not feeling well. Lovely Lord Jesus, Lord, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Father, we can picture those bloody footprints that dragged that cross up the Villa de la Rosa. Lord, as we read these prayer requests, these requests you were carrying, Father. And Lord Jesus, we thank you, Father, for that selfless act that you did for us. Father, there's no words 
that can express the love that you poured out, not just for your bride, Lord Jesus, but for everyone. And Father, let us never, ever forget Calvary. And so we come, Father, because of that sacrifice, because of that love that you poured out on Mount Calvary. And we ask for forgiveness for anything that we did wrong, Lord. Anything that would hinder the moving of the Spirit in this service today, forgive us, Lord Jesus. Take the thoughts out of our mind that would come and try to distract us. And Lord, come and have your way in our hearts, in our minds, in the musicians, in the song leader, in the tech booth, in the congregation. And stamp your approval upon this service today, Father. Lord, I lay my hands upon these prayer requests. Father, you know every one. And I pray that you would answer them, Lord Jesus. Those that need traveling mercies, surround them, protect them, watch over them. Bring them to their destination safely. Protect them while they're there. And bring them back home safely, Father. And Lord, those that are sick, those that are afflicted, whether in mind, body, or spirit. May the great physician draw near and come and have your way, Lord Jesus, and heal those people that have reached out to you, that have looked up to the Savior, looked up to the great physician. And Father, those that have special needs, those that have asked for prayer, what is unspoken to you, Lord, or what is spoken to you, is un- what's unspoken to us is spoken very loud to you, Father. And Lord, we pray that when the man of God, our pastor, gets behind this pulpit, you would just move him aside. And you would use that vessel, Lord Jesus, that he would catch the very mind of God, the very thoughts, and be in that channel, that he could be used of you, Lord Jesus. And Father, we would just ask, come by here, Lord. It would all be in vain, Lord Jesus, if you just didn't come by here and have your way. And we ask it all in the precious and holy and lovely name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats. And uh, we'll sing a quick chorus here, and then Dad is going to sing us a special. Let's just sing that song, uh, Only Believe. Only sing this song and uh, I wasn't really sure if I could do it but this is a song that uh, Sister Molly sung a lot and uh, so uh, it, it's 
definitely tough shoes to fill, but she certainly lived this song. There's too much to gain to lose. And I'm certain if she could look over the, the portals of glory now, she would certainly tell us that this song speaks true. So I just trust it will be a blessing to you as I, as I listen to the words to it this week. It just, it just really hit home that where we are now, we've, uh, we've certainly got too much to gain to lose.
that song as well as Brother Barry comes this morning. When peace like
blessing upon this gathering today, Lord. May our voices raise together in praise and in thanksgiving for all you have done and what we expect you to do in the days ahead. Help us, I pray, to be obedient, faithful, mindful children of God. That, Lord, whatever you say, that becomes our will. We thank you, Lord, that you have made a way for us to stand together with you in harmony once again, Lord, through the blood of your cross. Have your way now, we pray today, among us. Minister to those who are sick, those who are traveling, we commit them into your care. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And amen. And all God's people said, you may be seated this morning. God bless you and welcome all of you to the house of the Lord today. It's good to have all of you with us. Uh, Musicians, hang on if you don't mind. And let's... uh, Let's bring this up here this morning as we uh, take a look this morning at a couple of things that we want to do, and then we'll have another chorus here before we begin. Is everybody glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Uh, There is uh, no reason for us not to praise Him and to thank God for uh, being in His presence today. It's always a good thing, and uh, we should respond to that. Because uh, it's a, to me, it's a joyous occasion. Uh, we are not here for any other reason but to praise God and to uh, express our delight in being a child of God and a member of the Bride of Christ. We are an, an immensely blessed people. I believe that with all my heart. Now, uh, a couple of things that I want to share with you this morning, and uh, I, then we'll just jump right in. Uh, today, and I want you to uh, just think about this as we do this little preamble here, as we often do, and I, I like to bring you up to date on uh, some things that are happening. Years ago, we used to have to wait until you got a newsletter in the mail uh, to see what was happening around the world, but today, uh, because of technology, we can do it a whole lot faster, and so we're thankful for that, and I hope you don't tire of that, because I get, I get excited about all the things that are going on, and I, I trust that you do as well. Uh, in some part or some measure, and uh, I think it's good. March 7th today is Sister Connie Hughes' birthday. Sister Connie, it's not. It is your birthday today. It's on the calendar, so it's your, you can have two. 14th of March? All right, God bless you in advance. March 8th is Sister Sharon McCafferty's birthday. They're away today. March 9th is Matt Cross's birthday uh, happy birthday to Matt on the 9th. He's 34,000 feet in the air, flying across the Rockies today, and he's listening. March 10th is the Franklin's anniversary. Yesterday, I had the opportunity, my wife and I, to travel to West Virginia, and we had uh, spent a little bit of time with Brother Joe and Sister Lisa, and it was just a real blessing to be able uh, to be with them. Uh, he is 
uh, doing remarkably well, I think, and uh, was just uh, excited for a little uh, visit, a little company, and uh, we were able to uh, just spend that time with him and encourage him, and, and uh, it was just really wonderful to see him uh, again, and uh, we, uh, I told him that we would definitely pass along greetings, and he texted me again, and he said, make sure you tell the people hi. He said, we sure do miss uh, everybody, and uh, looking forward to coming back. All right, last night I got a, a text from Brother uh, Elias and uh, Brother uh, Mal- Malachi, uh, and uh, who's our missionaries, the, the brother who's on the motorcycle here. Uh, they traveled fr- out from uh, Arusha and went out to the area where the Maasai people live in Loliando. And uh, the road's been washed out, so no one's been able to go visit there for a good while. And when they have a washout, let me tell you, they have a washout. And uh, nobody was able to, to pass through there. So they have little uh, pathways through the jungle area. And uh, you can't really see the detail, but he's covered in mud. The bike's covered in mud. His chaps are covered in mud. And uh, it was a brother, uh, Elias, was describing the journey. He said it was very difficult. And, uh, but they, they made it. And then uh, when they got to the first village there, uh, they sat down with the people, and they all got dressed up and came out in their Sunday best and uh, visited with uh, Brother Malachi. He's on the right, and uh, this this uh, brother who's there, the other brother is a in the purple shirt, is uh, like an elder among their their group there. And this is only a little uh, little section of that area, and uh, this is where uh, actually lots of tourists go through here because. This is in the Serengeti where people go see the, uh, the wildlife and the uh, wildebeest migration. That all happens in this area. And uh, so it's, it's an area that's crisscrossed by lots of people. But you can see the, uh, you, well, you really can't. You will in the new sanctuary. You'll be able to see much more detail on a lot of these pictures that are given. But uh, this is on, in the grasslands and uh, uh, in, the, in the flats of the Serengeti, Serengeti area in the Rift Valley. So... Uh, it's it's a pretty rough and primitive place. Lots of wild animals around there. And so they gather around, and this is their church. They'll usually have a tree that they'll sit underneath and uh, gather together and uh, have have church just like this. They never uh, have instruments in place like this. They just sing on their own and uh, just rejoice uh, over the things that they are hearing. And these are the people who are, um, you know, hearing the message for the first time. So they're uh, they're excited about this. And these are ones who've been, we've shown you pictures, been baptized uh, just recently. Brother Davey Mwanza sent me some pictures from down in uh, Zambia. And uh, these are people now who are uh, in churches who are uh, excited about receiving books in their language and they're uh, witnessing and testifying to people. So there was a whole bunch of pictures that he sent to me of people who were baptized in this trench there. And this is the believers who are uh, walking down in that direction. Brother uh, Davy Mwanza's church, uh, I forget the name of the town that it's in, probably wouldn't ring a bell with you, but um, this is his church here. And uh, this is an issue that uh, I'd love to put out to you as an assembly here for need. When they were building their church, they ran out of money when it came to the roof part. And uh, they had to get inferior metal 
to put the roof, iron sheetings on the roof. And so it's given out and it's leaking and they're having a lot of difficulties there. So I uh, told them that we would do what we could to help them out to replace the iron on the roof. And so they're uh, very excited about that. They're already thanking God for the answer to prayer. And I said, the answer to prayer is in the pockets of the people. It's there. It's all there. It's uh, just still in everybody's pocket, but uh, they were they were very excited. Now, brother uh, brother Monza has been very faithful in his translation work, and uh, you know the only support that he gets is would be support from over uh, our way, and uh, they're very very thankful for everything that's done, and uh, we just like to be able to do what we can. This is uh, uh, I've never been to this area. They they want us to come, but I've never been to that area at all. So one last little testimony, Brother uh, Aaron uh, Ningamaza, who's listening today, uh, they had, uh, you know, a pretty wide distribution of their Bibles down in that uh, part of the world in Zimbabwe, and uh, they are locked down really tight because of the virus, and uh, these are uh, very poor areas of, of Zimbabwe, and uh, one of the churches that received a bunch of Bibles, they were so excited uh, that they... Um, they had been, uh, you know, they, somebody somebody recognized them. Somebody somebody blessed them with these Bibles, and they, they they really had nothing. They never even had a suitable place of worship. So they were building this uh, the start of a church, and all of these bricks that are on the ground here are ones that the sisters made. So when they get together and have a fellowship, that's what they do. And they they had all these bricks laid out, and they're drying in the sun. And uh, like Brother Aaron will tell me, and, and Brother. Uh, uh, the brothers will tell you, you know, from overseas, they'll just accumulate stuff until uh, they get enough to be able to build walls and, you know, make the, make the structure complete. And so um, Brother Aaron was sharing me this and showing me some pictures of this group. And I said, you know, can we help them do this? I mean, is there some way we can help them do it? And so uh, they said yes. They sent us a proposed uh, budget for their, for their building and to be able to complete it. And so we wired some funds over this week, a little bit, uh, to get them going. And they immediately started right in. You can see them drawing, they're, they're setting lines here and drawing, uh, drawing their stakes in the field and, uh, digging and so forth. And they got their supplies in. So they're, they're excited. They're well on the way, uh, to getting themselves a, a new place. So they're, they're just excited about that. Now, uh, these are, like I say, this, these are all projects that are ongoing. It's not all of them, but uh, these are, to me, these are worthwhile things. You know, in whatever way we can help uh, the folks get things done there, we just like to be able to do that because um, I think uh, God's people deserve at least a place to worship, at least a place to worship. They, they need to have the, the word of life first, but it's really nice for them to have a place of worship and uh, it's a great testimony in their communities that, to be able to have their own place like that that they can have. So uh, we just appreciate everything that's done. All right, let's stand to our feet and uh, let's have a little reading this morning in the scripture. And we're going to sing one more little chorus here as we begin. And uh, we're going to go to a couple of places. But uh, I'd like to, uh, in conjunction with where we're going to go today, uh, let's sing that little chorus. Let's speed it up just a little bit. I got my mind made up and I won't turn back. Let's sing that this morning together. Now I want you to get your singing voices here, and I, I'm not going to be uh, uh, deep and long today. Uh, just wanted to share a little thought with you that was on my heart this week, and uh, just trust it'll be an encouragement to you. 
I got my mind made up and I won't turn back because I want to see my Jesus someday. I've got my mind made up and I won't turn back because I want to see my Jesus someday. Goodbye world, I say so long to you. Goodbye pleasures of sin, say so long to you. Made up my mind to go God's way the rest of my life. Made up my mind to go God's way the rest of my life. Sing it again now. Got my mind made up and I won't turn back because I want to see my Jesus someday. I've got my mind made up and I won't turn back because I want to see my Jesus someday. So goodbye world, I say so long to you, goodbye pleasures of sin. I made up my mind to go God's way the rest of my life. Made up my mind to go God's way the rest of my life. And may the Lord add His blessing to the reading of His Word. I wish I had two hands I could clap. I don't. But may God add His blessing. Thank you, brothers. Let's go to Joshua, the 13th chapter, first of all. And we'll take a reading there. Joshua, the 13th. All right. Now we have been um, we have been dealing with this uh, subject now for a little while, and I got a little diverted on Wednesday night. But in Joshua the thirteenth chapter here, or sorry, Joshua chapter three, Joshua chapter three. We can put that first one up there if you like. Joshua, the third chapter, and this is the little uh, text that we read about crossing over uh, into the promised land. Verse 3, And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests and the Levites bearing it, and ye shall remove from your place and go after it, and yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure, Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spake unto the priests and said, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And let's go to the last verse, if you don't mind. And the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word, and you may be seated. Now, you don't need much review because we've, uh, we've been dealing with this subject for a little bit here about the order of uh, the crossing over, and, and I found this to be uh, interesting, that this little, uh, this little passage here where 
they describe this, uh, this little passage for the children of Israel, and we're not able to pull that up. And uh, as a result of that, um, the Levites and the, uh, the people who were involved in this crossing over, they had a specific place, they had a responsibility, and they were to step out into the waters. And the Bible says that when they put their toe into the waters, that the waters ceased from uh, flowing in that season. John and Hannah, good to have you with us uh, today. Uh, the, 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 whole, uh, the whole scenario designed by God and given to Joshua was very orchestrated. It was very, uh, very precise. And so we know the three parts of this that we've been focusing on for a little bit. And number one was uh, that they had to keep their eye on the word. And number two, they had to sanctify themselves and then they had to step in. They had to be, they had to be committed. They had to uh, go all the way. Now, I'd like to focus this morning on a little aspect of this that we have not. And that is the third part where they had to uh, step into the waters and commit themselves to actually going across. Now, this would have been a bit of a, a daunting thing, probably not as daunting as going across the Red Sea. But nonetheless, they had to cross the middle of the river and uh, pass by the ark and get over on the other side. And this was the end of their journey. This, was, this represented the end of their, uh, their experience in the wilderness. It was a big day for them. And God gave them this passage. God had done this. Uh, let's go, if you don't mind, to Genesis chapter 50, and this is the last portion of the book of Genesis here. Genesis chapter 50. Now, um, in, this, in this little passage here is the story of Joseph as he's dying. And uh, I want you to take note now of just what he says. There we go. Uh, let's, uh, we want to take note of... Uh, what he said to his family around him as he was passing away and leaving this world. He didn't want to uh, remain in Egypt, but he wanted to make sure that they made promise to him, they made an oath to him that they were going to uh, take him with him when they left Egypt. So this was the, this is the, this last portion of Genesis here which we're reading. Now, I want you to just stop for a minute uh, as we uh, just introduce this idea to you and say that there are sometimes a feeling, there's a feeling uh, within our own thinking that uh, there's, there's something about this whole picture or something about this whole experience that uh, I've, got to, I've got to complete. I've got to uh, check all the boxes and make sure I've got all my requirements met and then I can go. Uh, recently when I did my citizenship there was, uh, there was, you know, it's, it's very well designed, very well documented as to what you have to do in order to apply for citizenship. And you're constantly checking the boxes. You're constantly making sure you got all the right documentation. And if you don't, you got to stop because you're not going to get any farther on that website until you have the right documents. And so it's a, it's a very orderly, systematic process. And a lot of times in our world, we think that's the way that this is going to be as well, that I've got to... Uh, you know, I gotta make sure I got all my boxes checked, I got my life all straightened out, everything is in order, and everything's gotta be, uh, you know, lined up a certain way, and then when I get everything done, God's gonna take me across the river, God's gonna take me out of here. And I'm here to tell you today, that's not the way that God deals with us, nor is that the way that we are going to go across this river. Or that's not the way our journey's gonna complete itself. And I believe that uh, by God's grace, when we get there, we'll say that we got there by grace and not because we got all of our boxes checked. 
I believe we'll say we got there because God made it uh, made a way uh, for us to be there, uh, that God made it possible for us to be there, and I think we'll all be singing the same song uh, once when we cross over on the other side. I believe that uh, we are a people who, uh, hey, uh, if, if you came in among us and you didn't know us and you said, well, uh, do you thank God and sing and praise God because it's Sunday? Well, that is a good reason to do it, but that's not the real reason why we do it. The real reason we do it is because there's not a one of us here who really deserve to be here, and we are all here by the grace of God, and I believe we'll all be there by the grace of God, and we have a lot of coulda, woulda, shouldas in our lives. We, we could have done something else, and we, uh, we, we should have uh, been uh, ripe for judgment, and we uh, would have uh, probably wound up in a jail somewhere, but I will tell you something, we are here by the grace of God, and we're thankful that God rescued us, that God reached down and carried us out of the pit we were in and brought us to where we are today. And I believe that when we get over on the other side, we'll be able to say exactly the same thing, that we are there by the grace of God. And it was not my strength and it was not my ability and it was not my intuitiveness or my intelligence that got me there, but it's the grace of God that's got me over there. And so we depend upon that in a very great way. And uh, it's a uh, it's a really important uh really important thing for us to get in mind that if we make it to the other side, and I trust that everybody who I'm speaking to today will be there, uh, I'll be watching for you. I, I don't know whether God's going to allow it, but if I can arrange it, I'd like to be able to stand by the gate and make sure everybody gets through. Uh, that's just my own personal thinking. But uh, I, I, I say this by the grace of God, that if any of us get there, it'll be because of His grace and His mercy. Now, um, if you don't mind, let's look at, at the book of Genesis here. And I want you to uh, just take a little uh, reading here with me. At the very end, 22, Genesis chapter 50 and verse 22. And Joseph dwelt in Egypt, and he and his father's house, and Joseph lived an 110 years. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation, the children also of Maker, the son of Manasseh, and uh, that were brought up upon Joseph's knees. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die. And God surely shall visit you and bring you out of this land into the land which he swore to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. I die. I know, I know what's happening here. But, but according to the promise, God's going to visit you and he's going to bring you up out of this land. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from hence. And Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and they put him in a coffin in Egypt. So the provisions were made, and Joseph wanted to promise uh, to be sure among the families there of of the children of Israel that God's going to visit you, and he's going to carry you out of here. And when he carries you out, you make sure you carry me out. And the idea of this word carry here is uh, is very simple. It means that someone's going to have to do what I can't do. I'm not going to be able to carry myself. I'm going to need somebody to carry me home. I'm going to need somebody to carry me across the border and bring me back into the promised land. Just like Joseph was reminding the children of Israel that you're not going to be able to get yourself out of here. God's going to carry you out and he's going to bring you from here to there. Because that's the promise that he made to Father Abraham. So the idea of of caring, we find in the Bible, uh, is, is, a, is a very simple principle, but a, but a very important one. And I want to just deal with it just a little bit this morning here, if you don't mind. We find also in the book of Exodus, chapter 19, Moses went up 
this is as they were traveling in the wilderness, and Moses is up on the mountain with God, and the Lord called him out of the mountain and saying, Thou shalt say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. And now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, and all the earth is, for all the earth is mine. There is not a place on this earth that God does not look at and claim as his own. Do you know that? There is not a place on this planet that God does not look at and claim as his very own, because the earth is the Lord's. And he is reminding the children of Israel that you, you were out here and I have brought you here. It, it's not your own design. It's not your own, uh, it's not your own planning. It's not your own ability here, but I have borne you on eagle's wings and I have brought you unto myself. How many of you can relate to that same kind of an idea? It's not you that brought you to God. It's not you that brought you here. It's not you that, uh, you know, made the pathway clear for you to come into salvation and into a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not you that's did, done it at all. It's Him that's made a way and brought you unto myself. I would have to say amen because, uh, you know, in, in many ways we had our own path and we had our own idea and we had our own journey and our own destiny set. But, but one day, all of a sudden, he, he, he who designed us to hear the voice of God spoke to us and we responded because God not only made you to hear the voice of God, but he put something in you to receive the voice of God and to receive the call of God and brought you unto himself. And that's why we are here today. How many of you can agree with that? And I would tell you something, that God has ways of bringing these children to himself. He'll, he'll bring us sometimes by a simple call and remind us uh, that he's watching over us and leading us to where we need to be. Or sometimes God will do it in a more radical way. I'm thinking of Jonah and how that, uh, you know, God wanted the prophet Jonah to go to Nineveh. And uh, even though we know he was in the will of God, uh, sometimes the will of God demonstrates to us how far God will go uh, to really make sure that we get carried to the right place and not to the wrong place. Right? Because when we look at, uh, when we look at this situation with Jonah and he gets on a boat and he's going the other way, uh, God sees that and begins to stir things up. And he's not afraid to stir everything in our world up to make sure his people get to the right place. Look at our world today. It's in a, it's in a more unstable place. It's in a more unstable footing. Let me tell you something. God has not lost control. God knows exactly what he's doing. And God knows exactly where his children are. And God knows exactly where they need to be. And God's not afraid to shake everything up to get you where you need to be today. No matter what part of the world you live in. And let me tell you something. When he got his hand on Jonah, uh, just as a diversion, when he got his hand on Jonah, uh, there was a, uh, there, there was, uh, there was a, a ship that was in the ocean there, and all of a sudden there's a storm that they cannot deal with. They cannot overcome. There was nothing wrong with the ship. There was nothing wrong with the captain. There was nothing wrong with the cargo. There was nothing wrong with the passengers. There was nothing wrong with the uh, crew of that ship. There was nothing wrong with anything, but God had his eye on one particular person on that ship, and he was willing to turn it all upside down just to get that one person carried over to Nineveh as a sign to the people in Nineveh. And God's not afraid to shake up our world. God's not afraid uh, to shake up the circumstances around us in order to make sure that we get to where God wants us to fulfill His will in our lives. And that's really true.
Even if we think contrary, and I'm not saying that Jonah did, because Brother Branham taught us that Jonah was always in the will of God. But I will say this, that there are, there are times when uh, the Bible says that there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is the ways of death. And in our planning, sometimes we can look at things and think, this is doable, this is possible, this is, this is something maybe that we can pull off or we can do. But I will tell you something, that in the end of it, you're going to need deliverance because the end of it is death. And what may have looked like it was possible in the beginning, now all of a sudden changes to a thing that we need to really cry out to God for. Because in the beginning, it seems a reasonable thing. There's a way that seems right. But in the end, it's the way of death. Come on. How many of you have ever come to a place where you've had to repent of decisions that you made that look right, and then all of a sudden you realize this is not going the way that I planned it to go? And we need to call on God and ask Him to help us, uh, you know, to be able to get things back on the right track again. There is a way that seems right unto a man. It's not an unusual thing for us to do, uh, to do, do that or to think that way because God wants us to be, uh, always in the right place. And we've got to make sure that we try these things in terms of whether they are in the program or in the will of God. Now, as a matter of fact, there are things that God will have you to do that are not always, you know, they're not always, uh, common sense. They're not always, Obvious things. If you don't mind, I'm just, I'm just diverting for a minute here, but if you don't mind, take your Bible. I want you to look at something here that, uh, maybe we can, maybe we can just highlight for a moment here. In Exodus, I'm sorry, in the book of 2 Kings. Let's just take this part of it here. You're, I'll, I'll paraphrase some of the story. In 2 Kings chapter 6. In our world today, we have, because our world is changing and people don't always adapt real good to change, uh, there's a lot of frustration and anger that people have. And a lot of that frustration and anger, it gets vented uh, in, in, in different places. And uh, that anger and that frustration is not a good thing. I, I think that no matter what circumstances arise and no matter what other people do, we are always required as Christians to live by the script. I don't believe we ever have a right to, uh, to, to become something other than what the Holy Spirit has designed us to be and to, um, and, and to all of a sudden take matters into our own hands. Uh, it's amazing. Ministers, you know, we talk one another and it's just amazing how uh, sometimes people will uh, they'll, they'll use uh, other platforms like social media or different things and they'll, they'll, they'll uh, actually express anger against things that a prophet has said or things that are standards that we uh, normally would accept. And all of a sudden now there's a, uh, this, this kind of a free-for-all where people will say things that uh, I, I think are absolutely unchristian. And uh, it, it's, it's kind of shocking. It's just an amazing thing how all of a sudden we've, there are things that rise up that cause people to divert from the script. Now let me say this, let me, and I'm just, I'm just feeling this, this, this little pull here, so forgive me for a minute. The, uh, you remember a few years ago when the Believe the Sign thing rose up. And uh, all of a sudden, as that began to creep through like a, kind of like a mini cancer among the body of believers, it brought out things in people that shocked a lot of us. And, you know, all of a sudden there were things there that, that were a little surprising because people were uh, swept up or caught up in some of the arguments and some of the disputations that, uh, that were sounding out. 
You know what? It's not the fact that there are arguments, or it's not the fact that there's criticisms. It's the thing that lays in people that is really the problem. Because there's, there's just now a circumstance that brings out what lays there. Let me tell you, the false accusations of the devil don't put unbelief in a person's heart. They'll bring out things that are there. And we find the same thing that no matter, you know, when one thing passes and then something else rises up, it's all designed to pull you away from the tree of life. How many would agree? It's all designed to disrupt your communion and your relationship with Christ. And it comes in lots of different forms. But I will tell you something. It's always better for you to go back to the script and make sure you find out exactly how God would have you to, uh, to carry on. Now, let me give you an example here of things that you may not expect. You remember the story where, and this is a strange example perhaps, but you remember when Elijah and Gehazi are out in uh, Dothan. And uh, the, the, the order is given that uh, the king of Syria wants to have Dothan surrounded because they know Elijah Elijah's there and uh, they, they, they know that he's given away the secrets of the king. You remember that story? And uh, 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 the servant says to Elisha, how, alas, master, how will it be? Because um, there are certainly more of them than there are of us, because now the town is surrounded by uh, soldiers, Syrian soldiers. And uh, Elisha prayed, and he said, Lord, open up his eyes. And when he looked up, when the servant looked up, the hills were covered with all kinds of soldiers and chariots and everything else. And he realized, wow, there's more of us than there is of them. And so uh, Elisha prayed, and all these soldiers that were in the city were smitten blind. And when they, were, when they were unable to see where they were going, Elisha goes to them, the very person they're trying to capture. He goes to them and he says, hey, Elisha's not here. Follow me. And he leads them over to another town. And when they get into the town, uh, the king of that city, uh, he says, well, uh, you know, uh, maybe we should kill all these soldiers that are there. Now, this is the enemy of Israel. First, second Kings chapter six. And the king of Israel said unto Elisha when he saw them, saw the soldiers, my father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? He's like a kid with a new gun. And he answered and he said, thou shalt not smite them. Wouldst thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with thy sword and with thy bow? But set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And he prepared great provision for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away, and they went to their master. And so the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. Sometimes it's the will of God for you to show mercy to those that disagree with you. I said sometimes it's the will of God for you to be merciful to those that disagree with you. A lot of times people feel like, well, uh, you know, I have a, I have, someone over here disagrees with me and somebody might say something contrary to me. Hey, it's not always the will of God for you to chew their head off. It's not always the will of God for you to vent your anger. It's not always the will of God for you to give them a piece of your mind. Come on, somebody say amen. You're better off following the script. And when, they, when, when, when the king asked Elisha this, he said, no. He said, hey, I realize these are your enemies here, but, but give them a good meal and give them the provisions that they need and send them on their way. And you know what? That in itself brought peace to, to God's people. 
And sometimes the thing that will bring peace in a situation is not uh, an angry reaction or an angry response. Uh, sometimes the thing that brings peace and, and, and keeps the Holy Spirit moving among us is, is this very kind of uh, compassion that we can show to one another. Hey, this might, sound, uh, this might sound unusual, but you know what? I find it in the book. I find it in the book. And, and I will tell you something, we're better off following God's example and God's leading than it is for, for us to take things in our own hands and always wanting to win the argument and always wanting to be right and always wanting to be on, on the top of the pile. There are some times when we're just going to do the charitable thing, the compassionate thing, and just watch what God does in the hearts of our enemies. Is that all right? Because there are, there are lots of reasons to disagree. But to me, I believe that we have reason to get in the front yard and fight our common enemy instead of fighting ourselves. I believe that's, that's the better way for us to proceed. Now, let me just, let me just go a little uh, further with this idea here and just simply say that uh, Brother Brandon makes this comment in 1963. He said, if you will look up to God and by faith say, Lord Jesus, I confess my sins. And if you want the Holy Spirit... Say, if, if, if you in your, in your life, maybe you've been raised a sinner or maybe you raised a, a nominal Christian or whatever else, and you say, well, Lord, I, I want to have, I want to confess my sins. I want to be right. I want to be in harmony with you. Or I need your blessing to carry me through life. I want the Holy Ghost. If you're sick, I need healing, Lord. And now I accept it. He says, if you'll do it, then you'll receive it. If you go to God and ask Him to carry you through life, you know what He said? He'll do it. He said He'd never leave you nor forsake you. If you need healing in your life, He's not a God who turns away our petitions, but He's one who inclines His ear to our heart's cry. I believe that God will do it. I believe that if we uh, need to have, uh, you know, something made right that's wrong in our life, I believe we can go to Him. But God wants you to go to Him in sincerity. God wants you to go to Him believing that He is, and He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek you. God doesn't want you just to be here because it's Sunday morning. He wants you to be here because you just love to be in His presence. And you love the presence that a crowd of people bring. And it's just a, uh, an event that changes our lives. Hey, we want our children to be carried through life by the Holy Spirit. We don't want our children to be carried through just by our own instructions and our own rules and regulations. We want our children, we want our young people to be carried through by the Holy Spirit. We want them to be carried when we're not around. We want them to be carried when they are deciding on who they should marry in life. We want them to be carried when it comes to the place where they realize, I'm not going to be able to do this under my own strength, but I need His help. Lord, I want you to carry me through. That's the heart's cry we want to hear from every one of our sons and daughters. And I will tell you something, if you appeal to God in that way, I believe He will answer that prayer. How many believe that? Psalm 49, David said, My God, he said, will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Be not afraid, be not thou afraid when one is made rich and when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. There are a lot of reasons why. You know, when we look around in our country now and how things are changing and politically and everything else, uh, you know, there's a lot of, re you know, we look at it and say, well, that's not fair and that's not right and that's not just and that's not the way it should be and that's not the way our forefathers stood for things. And you know what? You may be exactly right. But what David is telling us right here is a very good key. And we should not worry about what people uh, attain in this life. 
We should not worry about uh, the riches or the glory or the power even uh, that increases in this world against the program of God. Let me tell you, when they die, that's where it stops. When they, when they die, that's where it ends. But for the people of God, they are carried beyond this life into another life and they have an enjoyment and a peace and an eternal life and an eternal quality about life that the world knows nothing about. Though he, though while he lived, he blessed his soul, and men will praise thee when thou doest well to thyself. He shall go to the generation of his fathers, and they shall never see light. Man that is an honor and understandeth not is like the beasts that perish. Hey, there are things that are going to rise up in our world that we don't agree with, that we would not go along with, that may make it more difficult or squeeze us. I will tell you the effect of the squeeze is meant to get you to look up to God. I believe that squeeze that, that, is, that is upon us, and I don't believe that we're coming to it. I believe we're beginning to live in the middle of that squeeze. I believe it's all meant to make us more sensitive and more conscious of God, or at least more conscious of our need of God. That's what it's designed to do. It's not meant to get you to enjoy Laodicea more. It's rather meant to get you to look to God as the only recourse, as the only way out. I say, Lord, carry us from this world. Take us from this place because there's going to be no peace left for the righteous in this world. We see it happening in our, in our times. We see it happening in our government faster than we even probably anticipated. Hey, we've arrived. We've arrived at the end. You don't need to have any more time spent on the fact that the world is squirrely and everything is, uh, you know, spinning in its own way according to the way that God patterned it in the last day. I will tell you something. God has not, God has not forsaken His people. I believe that God has a plan for us to get us out of here. We find in Genesis chapter 45 when Jacob was old and he discovered that Joseph was alive. I love this little passage of Scripture. They went up out of Egypt and they came unto the land of Canaan unto Jacob their father and told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive and he's the governor over all the land of Egypt. And one of the Bible's best understatements is this. Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. Ain't no way. Really? You're trying to tell me that Joseph's still alive after all of these years, and God never showed me that he was still alive. Here he is a prophet, but yet he's looking at this, and the Bible says that his heart fainted. I mean, he could not believe that this is actually, uh, the, the news was real, that the news was true. And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them, And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob through their father revived. That word in the Hebrew, it's made of two words, life and encouragement. In other words... Jacob now had a reason to get out of bed in the morning. He had a reason to, uh, to be encouraged. He had, a, he had a joy restored about his life. He had a reason to hope for the future. And Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is alive. Here is evidence from Joseph that he is alive. And he sent provisions in order to carry Jacob off into Egypt and to be in the presence of his son once again. And when he saw that evidence there, my goodness, he was just, he was just revived. I say that. Yes, saints of God, even though there might be nothing in this life that indicates to us that our bodies are going to be changed, I believe that God has sent evidence from the other side that builds our faith to the place where one day we realize, you know what, this is going to happen. It's going to come. I believe that God has sent His message in this last day. I believe God sent His word in the last day. And it's got all kinds of, uh, all kinds of, uh, the, the enrichment of rapturing faith that lays in it. And it's an evidence from another world. It's evidence of another place. It's evidence that Jesus Christ is not dead, but He's alive. 
How many believe that God did that in this day? He sent evidence that he's not dead. That's what Joseph uh, proved to Jacob. I'm not dead, but I'm alive. And here's God sending us in the last day evidence that he's not dead. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he sent evidence from that world, evidence from that supernatural kingdom, that he is indeed truly alive, and that he has the welfare of his bride at heart. And he sent a message that contains rapturing faith to get us from here to there. We've got the evidence that our Joseph is alive. We got our evidence that Jesus Christ is alive and He sent what we have need of over to this side so that we can be carried from this side to that side over there. Glory to God. And when we realize that that is what comes from glory, then the spirit of Jacob, it revived. He was encouraged. He was, he was, he was realizing, my goodness, this is real. This is going to happen. This is going to come to pass one day. Jeremiah chapter 27, they shall be carried to Babylon, and they shall be, there they shall be until the day that I visit them, saith the Lord, and then I will bring them up and restore them to this place. God said, I'm going to carry you down there, and then when the time is up, I'm going to carry you back. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure you get there, and I'm going to make sure you get back. That's the God we serve today. I believe He's the same. I believe that He has allowed us to be where we are today, but I believe that one day He's going to carry us back over across the river and to the other side. I believe that's the God that we serve. When God determines that, let me tell you, it's going to happen. Here's what Brother Branham said. Here's my wings, hallelujah, both the Old and the New Testament. I believe every word of it will pack me. I believe it brought me from a sinner to a Christian. It brought me from a cursing sinner to a preacher. It brought me from a blind man to a good eye. And it healed me when I was sick. And it will carry me from earth to glory one of these days. My faith rests in Christ Jesus the Lord. The thing that God has done is to carry me from where I was to where I am. And I am where I am by the grace of God. I'm not where I am because of uh, my own goodness or my own discipline. That's not why we are here today. That's not why we are in the standing we're in with God. Let me tell you, we are where we are because God has brought us up that hill. God has brought us up over that hump. God has brought us out of our sinfulness. God's brought us up out out of that gutter that we all lived in and God has said, I'm going to lift you from here to there. I'm going to lift you a little higher and lift you a little higher. And that's what the Christian walk has been, is the succession of God in His mercy, moving His people a little higher all the time. Deacons locked the door. Somebody stole my congregation. A doctor explained to us one time about somebody who was passing away. And they said, logically, it would seem like when somebody... Uh, passes away, uh, they would go on an incline every day, perhaps a little bit worse, a little bit worse, a little bit worse, and you'd go down this way until eventually life would leave that person and you would die. That's the way I, that's the way I always thought of it. That, you know, uh, somebody would decline, uh, on an incline, like a, like a ramp, uh, going, going out of this life. That's the way they would go. And the doctor explained it to, to us this way, which I thought was very interesting. And he said, people uh, in life, rather than go, uh, and, and some people perhaps follow that kind of an incline, 
But he said that, that there are times when people will go along for a while and the medication they have and the treatment they have, it works until their body uh, no longer can deal with that. And then they drop down like this and then they move along again. He says, we'll, we'll intervene. We'll do what we can to help them when they, when they drop down, but then they'll move along again on an even plane. And then he says, then they'll drop down again a little bit further. And he says, it's a series of steps like this going down, going down. And, and then finally he says, they'll make a drop and they won't recover from that. They won't, they won't come back up, uh, from that, from that, uh, drop or that experience that they've had. Their body just doesn't have enough reserve in there to be able to get back up again. I think that's the way it is in a natural life. For which our bodies, uh, you know, we, we, we go from, uh, it's the opposite of glory to glory. We go from uh, stage to stage. And then you realize, you know, some of you young people looking at me saying, hey, just move on, this doesn't relate to us. Let me tell you, there'll come a time when you'll say, thanks, pal, for preaching that. Appreciate that. Because you come to a place where, uh, you know, after you, go, after you cross 50 and you fall down, if you ever fall after you're 50, you don't want to fall after you're 50, but if you fall, you have enough time on the way down and when you're down to start wondering what you're going to do when you are down and how long it's going to take to get back up on your feet again. But, uh, it, 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 I mean, things change and you just don't have the strength and the reserve that you used to have. That's the way all mankind is. That's the way natural life is. I believe that the spiritual life is the opposite of this. I believe that the spiritual life is not always, uh, you know, a, a, a steady incline up. We don't always feel like we're making progress. Isn't that true? We don't always feel like that we're on top of things and every day is an accomplishment and every day is something great. We don't always feel that. Matter of fact, many times we just go along and then all of a sudden God will do something and give us a bump. And we'll move up a little bit. And then, then all of, then, you know, a, another bump. And we move along and we adjust to that. It's almost like he wants us to digest it. He wants us to live with that for a while. And then move along and then move along. One of these days we're going to take a bump up. And there'll be no turning back from that bump up. I believe that's the way God wants to deal with us in the spiritual realm. Not the natural realm, but the spiritual realm. Because in the natural, it's an opposite course. But the spiritual realm, God wants to lift us higher all the time. Heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But we don't get there in one or two steps. It's like a graduation that we go through. And God is building us all the time. And there's a sermon, or there's a minister, or there's an experience that you have. Or there's some, maybe something you're going through. And God will deliver you from that. And uh, give you a victory after victory. And, and you realize, wow, I'm not I used to be. I'm stronger than what I was. Spiritually, I'm stronger than what I was. Physically, I may not be. And, you know, uh, around me, the world is in a worse shape than what it was. But spiritually, I feel like that we're closer. You've got to learn to get your eyes off the natural circumstances and the natural physical part of things and realize, hey, listen, even though the world around me is changing, my body is changing, and my mind even is changing, I believe that God's got His eye on that part of eternal life that lays inside of me, and I believe God's bringing me higher. God's bringing me closer. There are priorities that are more refined now than they ever were. And I have a resolution in my heart to follow the will of God and to say, Lord, whatever it takes, I'm here. Carry me through. I believe that's the desire of the people of God. It'll carry you from earth to glory one of these days. Brother Branham says in the fifth seal, he says the very thing that the church is watering The seed of the Word. It's the very Word that becomes alive and carries us to our unseen bridegroom. What a statement. The very thing that the church is watering, the seed of the Word, that's what God's given to us, is the message of the hour, the seed of the Word. It's that very Word that becomes alive 
and carries us. So it's not you carrying you. It's not your pastor carrying you. It's the, it's the actual quickened word that comes alive and carries us to our unseen bridegroom. Look how perfectly Isaac left home, was out in the field when he's home, uh, from his home when Rebecca saw him and the church meets Christ in the air and takes her into her father's home and the mansions are prepared. Isaac took Rebecca the same way. So this camel, and Brother Bram said that camel represented power. He said it was the thing that she believed in. He got on that camel and it transported her across the desert and got her uh, all the way up to Isaac. Isaac himself uh, never came in person in a physical sense and got Rebecca, but he, he he sent that vehicle, he sent that means to get his future wife back into his household again. Brother Bram's telling us, hey, it's not a physical camel that, that, that we're waiting on, but the word that God's already planted in the church, it becomes alive. You've got to let it become alive. You've got to let it live in your heart. You've got to accept it and believe it in your heart. It carries us to our unseen bridegroom. The message will do us no good. If it's just uh, around us. The message will do us no good if it's just talked about in church. Let me tell you, what I give you is only really a, a, a portion, just a, a, a little shred of what we really need to have in our hearts. It's got to be something that's more than just you're trying to retain it here this morning and trying to uh, follow me and try to keep all the words together. Half of you got your mind on all kinds of things here today because, uh, you know, we live in that kind of a world, Right? And there's a, there's a lot of responsibilities that we have. And there's a lot of distractions. Uh, there's a lot of things that, uh, that we, uh, you know, we, we, we let our mind wander to even while we're here in church. I know how it feels. And I, I understand that. But I will tell you something. It's got to be more than just our intellect that holds us or our intellect that carries us through. Because like I said about, you know, believe the sign and the other arguments that come up and the other things that are out there uh, for, for debate and for discussion and for, with the intent of trying to distract you. No matter how, how smart you are, there's something more intellectual out there that is able to outthink you. You're no match for Satan. I said you're no match for Satan. And if we think we can juggle our way through intellectually to the very end with this thing, let me tell you, that's not the way it's going to work. Because no matter how smart you are, there's somebody going to come along and outsmart you with uh, some, some question or some issue. And uh, Satan studies you and he watches you and he knows where your weak areas are. It's going to take much more than just an intellectual approach to this message. It's going to take that relationship with Christ where he says, you become one with me. And I will tell you something, he in the end is going to carry his people away. But he's already given us the camel. Somebody say amen. He's already given us the camel. He's given us that very word that becomes alive. And that carries us to our unseen bridegroom that's the thing that carries us to our unseen bridegroom to me that's why uh you know that uh, getting the message out is such an emphasis i think it should be because uh that's the thing that needs to embed itself in the hearts of the church that's the thing that needs to be quickened that's the thing that needs to grow and come alive that's the thing that needs to really activate within the hearts of the people in the church in order to get them to where they need to be <clears throat> Brother Branham said that he, Jesus, he went away, his works were to be carried on by the church until he returned. In John 15, he said, I am the brand, I am the vine, you are the branches. And so we, the church, is left as the branches. Your eyes, my eyes, is the only eyes that God has on the earth. And your lips are his branch. And he energizes it to bring forth fruit. And our hands to do good is our hands. 
And our feet are His feet to carry us to church and do good. We are His vine. He just pours His energy into that so that we can fulfill or accomplish what it is that God has for us to do. Now, I want to I want to just divert for a moment here and just say this to you. <clears throat> Brother Branham raises an issue here. And uh, I want you just to think about this. Because you say, well, Brother Barry, you know, hey, uh, we believe the message. Uh, you know, you're saying that, you know, the word is the thing that we embrace that carries us to our bridegroom or unseen bridegroom. And I, I believe the message. I've been around the message all my life, and I believe it. I, I, I'm thankful for that because there's a lot of other environments that you could have been in. And there's a lot of other atmospheres you could have been raised in. And I think this is a good atmosphere to be raised in. I think a church, a church that uh, has a standard and a church that believes in holiness and a church that uh, tries to say uncompromising with the word, I, I believe that's a good place to be raised in. I, I believe that a church that emphasizes not only the, the, the correct doctrines, but also the correct manner of living out those doctrines, I think that's a good place to, to raise a family. I think that uh, whatever, whatever churches that do something to strengthen families and marriages, I think that's a good thing. Because every marriage and every family needs to be strengthened from time to time. Uh, every family needs encouragement. Every family needs, needs help going through things. Hey, we live in a, a, a time of an extreme shift in economy. And uh, uh, let me tell you, we... I, 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 I've been asked next next Friday, Lord willing, I'm going to be speaking to ministers down in South Carolina, and uh, they have a ministers gathering down there, and they asked me to talk about some of the modern events that are taking place. And you know, in the study and research that I've done, uh, when it comes to the finances of the world, and Brother Branham said in the fourth seal, as I've mentioned to you before, that he said it all comes back to money. He said it's all about money uh, in the last day, and the Catholic system, and all the other things that are going on, and the Pope over there in Iraq, and moving around, and, you know, there's lots of questions. You ask, well, why this and why that? And then, you know, our, our former president, he made a statement. He said, oh, the Catholic Church was so happy when uh, the last Supreme Justice, Amy, uh, I forget her name, but what? Coney Barrett, she was elected. And, and President Trump made a statement. He said, oh, the Catholic Church was so happy when she was elected. And she was appointed as a judge. And I'm thinking... Why would he say that? He's the one who nominated her. Why would he say that? And then I began to dig and I began to research and I found out exactly why that uh, he would make a statement like that. Anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'm researching and doing all these things and I just, I'm just going to say this, that uh, the, the, the smartest people who deal with these things in relation to finances in the world are saying, we live in a world like no other time. When it comes to the rules and, and, the, and the principles and things, that how, how it all operates, he said, we, we're, this is a different time than any other time that we've lived on the earth. And, and, and part of it is, you know, just because of the way that governments are scrambling to keep up. And this is Luke 21, where Jesus said they would be, men's hearts would be failing for fear, and not having answers for the circumstances that we face on the earth. And the quantitative easing that's going on and how you let this genie out of the bottle and that genie out of the bottle. And those genies never want to go back into the bottle again. And now all of a sudden we have forces that are unleashed in our time. That, and some of these brothers who work in the financial world, you know, they're, 
Uh, I've been talking with them, and it's just, just absolutely amazing. So whatever, whatever we can do to make sure that our individual lives are on track, because you're not going to do anything to change the situation in our world. You as an individual, you're not going to do anything to change the whole direction that the world's going in, because that's prophesied. That's, that's determined by God to go in a certain way. Just like you're not going to pray away Sodom laws in our world because that's what the Bible says the world would be like in the last day. So I'm sorry, but the prophecies are stronger than your prayers when it comes to uh, the world coming out like it is. So don't pray that politicians are going to reverse all those rulings and, and laws in our nation. They're probably, it's probably not going to happen. What you've got to do is learn how as an individual and as a family, how do I navigate through this? Because I'm not called to change it, I'm called to get out of it. And so i got to make sure that I understand one thing, and that is, what is it that's coming from God? i got to know what's coming from God. If I know what's coming from God, we'll follow that, we'll obey that, we'll put our heart into that, because that's God's method to carry me through, is to give me His Word, and that will carry me through to our unseen bridegroom, right? If that's, if that's what I just read is true. You don't have to solve all the world's problems. You don't have to make sure that everybody uh, follows the, the, the rules of Scripture. You, you don't, you don't, you, what, what you've got to do is learn to navigate for yourself and for your own family. How do, I, how do I navigate through all of this without being tainted by this world or overcome with fear that abounds in our world? The vast majority of people today, I find, out there, are, they're whistling in the graveyard. They have no answers for what it is that lays ahead. And they've got all kinds of theories and all kinds of ideas and all kinds of stuff. They're, a lot of people are just governed by fear. They're being led by fear. Sons of God are not led by fear. They never have been and they never will be. Sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. So rather than get in the spirit of the world that is going into tribulation, I'd rather get in the spirit of our unseen bridegroom who sent a word to shape my thinking to make sure I'm on the right path to get to where I need to go. Does that make more sense? If you let it, if you let yourself fall prey to uh, media and the news and whatever else, you will fall into that spirit of fear. And you're afraid of everything. You're afraid of what may be and what, what mutation may come your way. Or somebody sneezes in a restaurant and everybody runs for the door. Let me tell you something. We are not led by the spirit of fear. Now, we should not be foolish. We should not have the spirit of stupid and open the door to that. We should not, we should not entertain that. But, uh, because we live in a fallen world, right? So we have to learn how to navigate for ourselves and for our family through all of these hazards that exist in our world. And the hazards, to me, are only going to increase. But to me, the fear for the people of God shouldn't increase. But the intensity of the Spirit of God that leads us should increase in our lives. But you've got to make a way for that. You've got to create an atmosphere for that to come in. You remember Brother Branham said, some of his most profound things really are quite simple because he said, it's the atmosphere that really allows the Holy Spirit to come in and make the difference and make the changes in your life, right? It, it's not the dog that sits on the egg. It's the atmosphere that, that nurtures the life in that egg. And so it, in, in, your, in my house, in my, in my headspace, I've got to make a place for the Holy Spirit to be able to freely come in whenever He wants to come in and adjust my thinking or change my outlook or you know, deal with my attitude uh, and, and make sure I'm following the Word of God the way that God has determined it because that's the Word that's designed to carry me into the other kingdom. Can somebody, do you agree? I don't want to be disagreeable. <clears throat> but if you let it, if you let it, there's a profound and a dangerous spirit of fear that causes people to be completely unreasonable and unapproachable 
when it comes to, uh, I mean, sensible, practical things. And I don't understand where it's come from, except that it comes to simply disconnect you from your relationship and your peace with God. That's what Satan's tactic has always been. So let me give you his observation. I've got two observations. Number one, I've noticed many Christians in my life to be up and down. I've wondered about that. You find people who seem to be very religious. They have a deep desire. They daily, they search, they seek for God, read their Bibles and so forth. Never come to any settlement, though, of any kind to where they could ever be settled or anchored in Christ. And this I have learned and experienced that it is people of intellectuals. They have it in their head. They've been raised in it. They know it. They know what's right. They've read the Bible. They've heard it probably all their life. And here's Brother Ram. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not being critical or anything here. I'm just saying what he's observed. Through years of experience, he's looked at people and said, and here's the title of his sermon, Why Are People So Tossed About? You're going to be tossed about if there's no anchor. Right? You're going to be, you're going to be, you're going to be pushed around if there's no anchor. So why are people so tossed about? He said, I think it's because people have an intellectual faith. The one intellectually is hungry and feasting on God, but his feast doesn't hold. It works well we're in church. works good here because it's not hard here, right? There's no challenges here. I hope none of you have your phone out here. The other one seems to have victory all the time. Nothing bothers them. They're just as solid and anchored as they can be. No trial, no storm bothers them at all. But they seem to have something about them that people who are Christians and trying to live for God admire that type of Christian. A real Christian doesn't try to live for God. He is a part of God. He's a part of God. I don't have to try to be a coffee. It's in me. It's in me. I don't have to try to exhibit characteristics of my father. They're there. There are people, though, who look at that, and they're on this, they're close to the kingdom. And Brother Bram says they look at that, but they cannot mimic, they cannot impersonate that solid, anchored experience where no trial, no storms bother them at all. They seem to have something about them that other people envy, that other people would look at and say, wow, I'd like to be that kind of a Christian. And what is it? It's not that, not that they're evil. It's not that they're atheistic communists. It's not that they're liberals. Not at all. There are people like a lot of people in this country who just, they want to do right. They, they work hard. They try to make a living, try to raise their family, do the very best they possibly can, try to wade through all the garbage that's out there. But they look at other people, or let's say there, there's a class of Christian. He, there's, there's this type of Christian, and Brother Bram said there's this type of Christian. And this type of Christian has a solidness. It has a, it has a stability about them. And you know what? Whatever comes our way, if there's something else that follows what we're going through now, you know what? By God's grace, we, we got through that. We'll get through this as well. Their attitude is, is, is unshaken, if you like. They're, they're unshaken because of the circumstances that are there. Because you know what? The, the resounding belief that, that, that seems to turn over on the inside is that, hey, our God is greater than the circumstances that we face. Everybody doesn't feel that way. And I'm just telling you what he observes, all right? So the other side of this coin now, the other side of this observation, he said, God in the beginning had a plan. God in the beginning, he said, before there was a man, in the beginning was the Word. Now, 
He said, that's just about as far as our human mind can go, is in the beginning. Because we have nothing else to reference before Genesis 1, right? That's what, this is what he's talking about. That's as far as human mind can go. But he said, but Revelation, the last line, carries us beyond that. God, he said, when you're, when you're tapped into the mind of God, it actually carries you before in the beginning. So that we can have an idea of what took place back in the beginning. And what did Brother Branham teach us about the beginning? He said, in the beginning, God dwelt alone with his attributes. Right? He had sons and daughters in him. Right? Just like you were a son and daughter in your father before you were born on the earth through marriage. And he said, God, before the uh, Genesis chapter 1, God dwelt alone. He was a self-existing one. And God had attributes that were in him. So Brother Branham says, Revelation carries us back beyond in the beginning. And every word in the Bible, he said, is God's thoughts laid out in seed form. If received into the human being and spoken by the same thought that materialized the Bible, it brings things to pass. Then how powerful could the church be? Before it could be a word, it had to be a thought. God in creation created the world by his thought first and spoke it. And the thought expressed became material. You understand, this is familiar language. We've, we've talked about this before, right? That, that God, in, in his great thinking, in his, in his great mind, in his great uh, way of, of, of conjuring things, he had attributes in him. And then he spoke those things, and those things became material. God believed that they would come to pass. And, and he's simply saying this, that every word in the Bible is the thought of God in seed form or in word form, that if it was received into the human being and spoken by the same thought that materialized the Bible, it would actually bring things to pass. Things would happen. Right? I mean, that's what, that's what he's telling us here. How powerful then, if we as believers, we believe that word, and we're not on the intellectual side. Remember now, there's this type of Christian and that type of Christian, right? We're not that type. We're not an intellectual type. We're not just here to learn what we can and try to become Christians. But if we really are Christians, and we are a part of God, and the thoughts of God actually have been quickened to us or delivered to us, if you like, in the form of the revealed word of the hour, and we begin to speak those things in faith, he's asking the question, how powerful then should the church be? What limitations then does the church actually have if, if they are, you know, the, the living members of the body of Christ? I mean, what a, what a group of people that is. The same spirit that said, let there be light, let there be trees, and there was trees. If the same mind that was in Christ in you, how much could it say, let there be no cancer, and it would be gone? Let blind eyes be opened, and it would be so. It's your thought. And you say, well, that was Jesus. But wait, he said, have faith in God, for verily I say unto you, if you shall say to this mountain, be moved, it shall be moved and cast into the sea. Ye shall have it, not me, ye shall have it. He said, what power has been given to the church? If, if, in other words, if the Spirit of the same God that said, let there be light, lives in you, and the church agreed together, that in, in prayer, if we're going to pray for somebody. Brother Bram is saying that the, the power of that church is all of a sudden elevated. Not going this way, but going this way. 
Because it's not intellectual. It's not me or you. It's actually God speaking through the members of His body. And He's just asking the question. If we are not intellectual believers, but if we are real believers, then what prevents us from catching the thought of God and praying that way and speaking that way and believing that way? And coming to the place where it's not going to be just uh, our hope that, you know, when we come down to the river, that He's going to make a way for us to cross over. No, it should be a reality to us that even if we can't see it, one day we're going to step into the waters and those waters will part and we'll walk across on the other side. There's going to come a day when we as the people of God are going to come to the brink of where there's no return. There's nowhere else for us to turn. And you've got to take a step of faith. I believe that God will carry us to the brink of the river. And I believe He'll carry us over. But you know what? This is the one place in the Scripture where He says, you step in. There's no other place in the Bible that I could find where God says, you step in, you take the step. When you see the word go and those Levites out there in the river, then you go take a step. I don't believe that, I don't believe that, uh, this is the kind of thing where we'll just put our feet up and let the world slide into tribulation and God's gonna click his fingers and we're all gonna step over. I believe that we'll get over there by faith. I believe that like Enoch, God took him and by faith he was not. I believe there'll be a time when God says, go ahead, take the step, believe me and trust me now and I will get you to the other side. I'll take care of how your atoms are changed. You don't need to worry about that. You can't even lose five pounds. I can change all of your atoms in a heartbeat. Just go ahead but take the step and God's going to want us to take that step by faith not because we are intellectual and everybody else is doing it I believe you could possibly be by yourself when that takes place and take that one step you could be driving in your truck you could be at home with your children taking a nap you could be anywhere at all but God will tell you hey listen take that last step and I'll make sure that you get over on the other side but I want you to exercise your real faith that you have not an intellectual faith but a real faith because you are a thought of God you're an attribute of God. And I believe that's coming into that realm of rapturing faith that he wants to have, that he wants to see in us. Now you can express it by mental conception. In other words, you can go out and play what I just said. You can, you can make yourself a little podcast and put it on uh, Facebook Live or whatever else. And you can say what I said. You can do that. You know what? You can stand out there in the woods and holler squirrels. And I don't believe there'll be any squirrels come unless God told you to holler for squirrels. Just like Brother Branham said, if I, if God told me I could go down to the presidential graveyard and stand there uh, in Mount Vernon and call for George Washington to stand on his feet, he said, I believe he would. But God didn't, so Brother Branham didn't. You can express it by mental conception, but I'll finish the statement for you. It ain't going to work. If it comes only by mental conception, it isn't going to work. But... If it comes by, listen, real revelation of God, and you see it before it happens, express it in word, it's expressed in word form. That word takes a hold and becomes a material, a thought expressed, and your heart and mind is so infilled with God's Spirit until your thoughts become His thoughts. Your mind leading, your, when your mind leading becomes a direct inspiration of the Holy Spirit that's moving your mortal being, hey, what kind of people should we be? This is not a people who are intellectually just mouthing the words 
and just saying that God sent a prophet. This is not a people saying, you know, just intellectually that the message is right. This is a people whose heart and mind and soul and body are so in tune with God that whatever way he moves, whatever, whatever it is he says, hey, that becomes our will. That becomes the plan of God for my life. What kind of people should we be? If the very Holy Spirit has you so embodied or empowered that you don't use your own thoughts, your own mind, your own opinion, but the Holy Spirit has you so built until your thoughts and your being as God's Spirit expressing itself through you, what kind of church should we be? Wow. I mean, that's quite a challenge, isn't it? This is, we're moving, we're moving this above now, just an intellectual experience here and an intellectual believer. We're moving into a place where the Holy Spirit has so embodied and empowered you. If the Holy Spirit has so empowered and embodied us, I think it should be, I think it should be obvious that we should be confident about what we believe and unafraid to speak it boldly. I, I believe that we should be unafraid to live it uh, by the grace of God in a world that knows nothing really about standards and light and purity and holiness. They know nothing about dating. They know nothing about, uh, you know, the, the real, I mean, the real godly mindset about, you know, how to, how to honestly and righteously uh, choose a mate for life. Right? They're guided by Hollywood. They're guided by what's online. That's how, that's how standards are formed today. And guess what? Next week they'll shift to be a new way, a new thing that comes along. Brother, Brother Ram is not talking about this for us. He's talking about a people who are very much in tune with God, under the control of the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit. Your thoughts and your being is God's Spirit expressing itself through you. then why do we as a church live below our privileges? Why do we as a church hold back so that we don't pray with confidence, more confidence for those that are sick and those needs that are brought to us? And I'm not saying that we don't. I'm just saying that I believe with all my heart what he's going to say in the next paragraph, and that is this, I believe it's on its road. That the church will be so wrapped up in Christ, mankind so away from themselves that they don't see themselves. And they don't have any thought but to serve God. I believe that's on the road. This is what he says back in the 50s here. And they just move on in the Spirit. He said they move on in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, and fulfill the law of Christ. And listen, if that's what God's trying to achieve in us, that's what he's trying to accomplish in us, I say, Lord, have your way. Carry me to that. Take me to that place. But you can see, if if God's going to take us to that place, you've got to learn to forgive. You've got to learn to let go of stuff. You've got to let go, let go of the stupid stuff that takes place in the world around us. That is only a distraction. It's not, it's not inspirational. It's not the inspiration of God. It is the result of living in a world that's falling apart. It is a world that's filled with, uh, you know, uh, Satan as the, the god of this evil age. That's, that's what it is. It's... And, it, and, and unfortunately, it's living off, the world who's living off the tree of knowledge of good and evil. There's good things out there, and there's, there's bad things that are out there, and it's all mixed up. And a lot of people, hey, listen, they say that, uh, whoever they are, they say that, uh, that one out of every six news story that's out there is true. One out of every six. So that means that five things you hear are not true. One thing is, good luck. Good luck figuring out which one was real, which one was true. How are you supposed to know what's right anymore? How are you supposed to know what's real anymore? Well, I only listen to this station. Good luck. Because that thing is crafted to make you hear what 
they know you want to hear. It's all done by computers and algorithms to make sure that news comes to you in a way that you, because that's what you like to hear. And, and so on. I, we don't want to go there. But, I mean, how are you going to navigate through this world and figure out what's right and what's not? Hey, listen, you can't not make the absolute the absolute if the absolute is the absolute. There's one thing that's true in this world. There's all, we're, hey, we're down to one thing that's true in this world. It's not every fifth sermon is true. It's, it's, there's one absolute, and that absolute is the Word of God. That's the only real thing that's true. And I think we'll find out before we come to the end of it that all the rest of it was just really filler. A lot of it didn't do us really all that much good at the end time except distract us here and occupy us there. There is only one thing that's true. And thank God, God vindicated that to be true. Thank God, He made that very clear. Thank God, it still resounds out. And may me, may, may whatever voice I have left, may it continue to sound out the truth that God's Word is true and it is an absolute and there is none other in this earth besides that as a pillar of truth. There's a church coming, he says, I believe this with all my heart. There's a church coming that blends with him in the last day and speaks with authority, speaks with confidence, speaks knowing that what God's word said is true. And the love of of Christ in the human heart, moving in the Holy Ghost, that great wonderful church will go forth with power and deity because deity will be revealed in human beings. Listen, this is a long way from trying to be a Christian. This is a long way from intellectualism. This is a long way from you just trying to keep up with the standards mentally and trying to juggle everything and make sure you got it all right or checking the boxes. This is not that. This is Christ embodying himself in you and living his own life through you in the last day. This is Christ carrying you through the chaos of our times and bringing us out in the right place. On the other side. This is him inviting you, saying, come on, come on, it's going to come. we're coming to a, we're coming to the bank of the river, and come on, come on, and stand there, and when you stand there, step into the waters, go ahead, take that plunge. There's going to be nobody in the world encourage you to do that. There's going to be nobody out there in the cosmos encourage you to do that. The Pope is not going to do it, and the President is not going to do it. Come on, by faith, step into the waters and watch what happens. And I believe when we make that last step, our bodies will be changed and we shall be gone. We shall be transported over on the other side. I don't know how it's going to happen. I just believe that we're on our road to that place now. We're on our road to that bank now. We're on our road to that position now where God wants us to be so in tune with Him and not out of step, not out of sync, not watching this and that, but to be so in tune with Him that when He says go, we'll make that last step and we'll be gone. And, you know, musicians, what you come on? It may seem it may seem so elementary. Elementary. It may seem so simplistic, you know, to spend a whole sermon here and talk about that fact. But I will tell you that when when Joseph when Joseph made the statement to his family back there in the book of Genesis, he said he said very carefully, he said God's going to fulfill His word. He's going to carry you out. And when He carries you out, you make sure you carry me out, because I can't do this myself. I, if I'm dead, I can't carry myself out. You can't. And God's going to come and carry you out. So you just make sure that your arms are filled with me. That's all. And that's what he put, got his family to promise him and, and make sure that it happened just exactly that way. Let me tell you, saints of God, whether, whether we're alive or whether we've gone the way of death, either way, 
I believe, I believe that God's people are going to be carried out because that's the promise of God. He's not going to let them stay through the tribulation. He's not going to let them stay uh, into that three and a half years. I believe He's going to carry us out. I believe that with all my heart. <clears throat> and it won't matter whether you, went, you left this world early in a funeral or whether you're still alive and remain. Either way, I believe it's going to be Him that carries us through all the way, all the way over onto the other side. It may seem elementary, but I believe this, that in order for that to happen, you've got to keep your eye on the Word, and you've got to make sure you sanctify yourselves and leave behind everything that doesn't belong in that world, and just watch where the Word goes. Be watching that. Be mindful of that first. When you start your day, be mindful of that among your family. Don't worry about what the rest of the world is doing. Learn how to navigate for yourself and your own family what it is that you need to do in order to encourage your children, keep them moving and watching that word. Where are the Levites now? Where is that pillar of fire? Where is that, where is that uh, shining now? Where is that light now? And we want to watch that and we want to follow that. And we want to learn simply, simply to identify what it is that's coming from God. I don't need to come up with things for God. I don't need to try to replace the word of God with something else. Just figure out what's coming from God. And Lord, if that's you, then Lord, make that real to us. Quicken that in our hearts. And then let us be bold in our faith and bold in our standards. It may seem simple, but when I look through the Scripture and I look at this crossing over of the children of Israel, there was not a whole lot of complicated things they were asked to do. They weren't asked to build bridges. They weren't asked to, you know, be engineers to try to get across there and figure out how to slow down the current in the river. They weren't asked any of that stuff. They weren't asked any technical things at all. They just had to keep their eyes on those Levites and watch that word and make sure that nothing got brought over. That's all they had to do. And they had to keep their eye on that. Your eye is what God has trained. Your eye is what God has opened in this last day to let you see real light, real light that comes from God. And you want to keep your eye on that. You want to keep your eye focused on that thing. may seem real elementary. Sorry. I hope you don't feel like when you leave here, you paid your tithes in vain or you just wasted an hour. I hope you don't feel that way. It may seem elementary. It may seem simple. But I will tell you this. It's going to be the thing that carries us across. Because he said, you watch those Levites. Because you've never been this way before. You've never crossed this way before. And that's really true. We've been to church on Sunday, but we've never been across the river. We've never been over on the other side. So we've got to get over there. The only way you're going to do it is to watch the Word and watch those, take the steps that God's given to us. It may seem simple, but when we speak simply, everybody understands. Everybody responds. Look in your own life. Hold up the Word of God in your own life and look at it and say, Lord, if there's areas in my life that don't match this, I want, I want the Holy Spirit to be so embodied in my life. I want you to dig deep. I want you to do surgery that gets all those cells out. I want you to take the attitude, the selfishness, the pride. I want you to take all of that out. I want you to take my, uh, my career, my ambition, my wealth, my attainments in life. I want you to take it all. And Lord, make sure that it's not high on the priority list in my life. But Lord, just, just give me such a, a love and a passion for your presence. And a love and a passion to be with you. Increase my love for you. Increase my heart. Make it large for you. Do that, Lord. Last line. May the light shine today upon the word to lead us one step further in the kingdom of God. Lord, when I come to church, shine your light on the word that it might become illuminated for me and I can take another step. And I can feel like I've made us a little closer. Do that, Lord.
May that light shine. Thy word is a lamp. Make that happen in my life, Lord. I don't need to figure out a whole lot of things, a whole lot of things I can't figure out. But Lord, my prayer is this. Just make your light shine on that word. Because that word is our camel that carries us to our Isaac. If we'll just keep our eyes upon thee. Stand right here. Keep our minds Just keep your mind. Sing it again now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just keep your mind. Stay. Yes, be. 
glorified in this church. Lord, be glorified today. Sing that first verses of prayer now. Yes, be glorified in my life. Lord, be glorified today. In and out of situations. Tug of war at me. All day long I struggle for the answers that I need. But when I come into your presence, And all my questions become clear. And for that sacred moment, no doubts can interfere.
it is just to be in his presence. You don't have to try to be anything. You just say, Lord, just just, just touch my heart. Just fill my cup. Just illuminate your word to me, Lord. Just, I just love to be around you. Love to be. we got to go back to the real world and back to all the labors and sacrifices in this world, but it's just nice to be in his presence. It's just nice to whisper and tell him you love him and thank him for what he's done. We're not here because we've got to worship. Not here just because it's Sunday. It's here because, you know what? By His grace, we could have been a lot of other places. But He reached down and He rescued us and carried us away. Carried us into a place of peace. We're thankful for that. Let's sing that little chorus. Leave it in the same key there of key of C. Only you. consecrated atmosphere of worship and just that place with God. Just just speak to him yourself. Just give him your requests and your petitions now. God knows your heart. God knows your life. He knows the fears and the struggles that you, you face. He knows every complex you deal with. 
gracious and loving Heavenly Father. You understand the heart's cry of every individual here, Lord. There's not a one of us, Lord, that in navigating through this life we have things, Lord, that we need fixed and things that we need touched. We're living in bodies that are failing because of the pressures and the food and all the other things that surround us, Lord. The pressures of this life, pressures of the unknown, pressures of global strife, and all the other things, Lord, that exist in our world. But Lord Jesus, we, we're a people, Lord. If, if there's any one particular way that we could say it, we just, we just want to be a people that are embodied by the Holy Spirit to walk in harmony with you. Head towards that place at the bank of the river where we can step off, step into the waters without fear, without hesitation. Our desire, Lord, is to step out on dry ground. And we believe this word, this promise will bring us to our Isaac. It'll bring us to that place, Lord, where we need to be. And it won't be because we figure it out, but Lord, it'll be because you carry us and you brought us. But Lord, it takes everything we have to pay attention to focus upon the things that really count and so we're just wanting to be reminded of that Lord forgive us of all the distractions and the different things Lord that crowd in and take up space unnecessarily and unprofitably forgive us Lord of things that maybe we've said and done that have been contrary to the moving of the Holy Spirit help us Lord I pray to reset, to reprioritize, to focus, Lord, and what pleases you, because that's what this is about. Father, bless the people, I pray. Lord, every individual need, every hand that's raised, every, every voice that cries out to you, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen families. I pray that you would bless our young people, Lord, and give them the, just that conviction to be able to stand in a world that really doesn't care very much about the Bible at all and the standards that it brings to us. But Lord, you've made your way clear in this last day. You've helped us to understand what's to be brought over on the other side. And so may the character of Christ be formed in every one of us. We can talk to you all day, Lord. We, we just love, love to speak to you and love your presence. Have your way among us, Lord, we pray. We'll give you thanks and praise. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask these things. Amen. And amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Good to be in God's house today. He is able. He is able to do much more than leaving this key of C there. He is able. Sing it as you go now today. May God bless you. If anybody needs prayer and you want to stay behind, you're certainly welcome to do that. Thank you, Jesus. He is able, oh, more than able to handle anything that comes my
much more than able to accomplish what concerns me today. Yes, He is able more than able to handle anything that comes my way. 